Hi everyone, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I thank you for listening and I do hope that you enjoy the review that you're about to hear. I also encourage you to check out that website for over 4,000 of my written reviews. I've been doing film reviews for over two decades now. Plenty to read there. You can check it out at Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be reviewing the DC Extended Universe film, the big one, the one they were building up to for the last three films, Justice League. I'm a little bit late getting this review out. Didn't have a chance to catch up with it because there were a lot of things in my life going on at the time and finally getting around to it. It's an action sci-fi film, of course. It's PG-13 rated for sequences of sci-fi violence and action and it runs two hours. The cast is Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Jason Momoa, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, Kieran Hines, oh, and a whole lot of other actors as well. Zack Snyder is the director. Well, Joss Whedon gets a little bit of direction in here too. Whedon also provides a screenplay, retooling Chris Terrio's original script. Justice League, the film here, is fulfilling the promise that was made, albeit perhaps in too short of an order, of the previous film, not counting Wonder Woman. I'm talking about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. This one's putting together the titular super team of Earth's mightiest heroes of the DC Extended Universe into one movie and on one side, as promised. Is it worth all of the hubbub? I don't think so. Not really in this case. The two characters that most fans care about to come to the theater to see, Superman and Batman, are mostly not on the screen together. A Ray of Hope came earlier in 2017 because we had the release and major success, kind of a surprise success for Wonder Woman, but Justice League stuffs Wonder Woman back into the eye-popping but often mechanically joyless direction of Zack Snyder. Snyder's trademark is to slow down action to underline significance. That's not exactly what made Wonder Woman's solo film at all appealing. Snyder didn't get to actually complete the film that he started due to dealing with grief that stemmed from a family tragedy. He had to leave the project and the studio brought in Joss Whedon, of course, of the Avengers films. And Whedon was here to oversee substantial reshoots off of his own script changes in in which he injects more of his trademark snarky banter and and Whedon was here to package all of that up together into a film that Warner Brothers insisted could run no longer than two hours. Not that dark and brooding is a bad thing. Christopher Nolan made some of the best superhero films with his Dark Knight trilogy doing exactly that but those films were fitting to the character of Batman and of the times in which they were made. The makers of this new slate of DC films have made two fatal mistakes, trying to emulate Christopher Nolan without the talent or the pertinent political underpinnings or the conceptual finesse on board to do so, and second, trying to emulate Marvel by trying to play catch up to their team-based action without giving their characters the time or the space or the nuance that's needed for us to adopt these incarnations of those superheroes as worth rooting on. Now, the plot of Justice League, it's murky. It's boring. It's perhaps the worst part of the movie. It's so dull, I really don't feel the need to try to relate it. I really didn't understand it. I I mostly ignored it for the bulk of the runtime. It was something about mother boxes. If you're a fan of the comic books of the 70s, Jack Kirby wrote about mother boxes 
in his cult comic from the early 70s, Jack Kirby's Fourth World, they might as well have just been called MacGuffin boxes. We don't care what's in them. We don't care what they do. We just know that it's the reason why the good guys are going to fight the bad guys. It's just another evil guy who plans to destroy the world. The heroes have to unite to save the day. We know what's going to happen. The villain here known as Steppenwolf is hardly as important as the makeup of the super team, which contains Batman as the unifier and Wonder Woman as the brawn in Superman's fatal absence. She's the brawn anyway. The water god, Aquaman, the speedster, the flash, and the tech wizard, Cyborg. It's a team that only offers fun on the occasions when they banter, and those bantering scenes are enough to keep the film afloat in the entertainment department. Obviously, that's emulating Marvel, which has its own jokey nature among their characters, even when the world-threatening situations are most dire. Now, among the highlights of Justice League are Gal Gadot, yet again, as Wonder Woman. She's not quite the scene-stealer here that she had been in her debut, partially because the writing for her more thinly-envisioned character in the Snyder films is limited to delivering some platitudes and some setups to some one-liners that were mostly kept to a minimum in her own solo film. The scene-stealing honor of Justice League goes to Ezra Miller, who's playing the Barry Allen incarnation of The Flash. He shows good comic timing as the quirky and awkward young man who's trying to find evidence that will help free his father from a murder charge. Alas, while I thought Ben Affleck could be a welcome addition as Batman based on his debut in Batman v Superman, here he comes across as goofy and an ill fit. He exhibits some of the actor's worst tendencies in trying to ham it up when he's attempting to be funny or spirited. Meanwhile, a newcomer here, Ray Fisher, who's playing Victor Stone, aka Cyborg, unfortunately he's mostly forgettable, and that's in some part due to being the one character that few outside of comic book readers have even heard of, and also in part due to the fact that his character, by his nature as a human who is being enveloped by cybernetic technology, is stoic. He's unfeeling to the point where there's little charisma to be displayed whenever the character appears on the screen and has any lines at all. Jason Momoa has one decent scene in the film. He does cut a formidable presence as Arthur Curry, aka Aquaman, and yet... He's in such a one-note role, and the backstory to the Atlantean character is pretty uninteresting, such that Aquaman soon becomes just another superhero who's there just to comprise the team count minimum, and because we all expect Aquaman to be in the Justice League instead of someone we think we might enjoy seeing in a solo adventure sometime down the road. And as for the villain, Steppenwolf, he's voiced with Liam Neeson-like fashion by Kieran Hines. Perhaps not coincidentally, Hines consulted Liam Neeson, his friend, on how to do vocal work because Liam Neeson did vocal work for the big bad in A Monster Calls. I guess he wasn't that bad in A Monster Calls, but the performances are very similar and, and there's very little good to say about the villain at all. He's just a bad guy who wants to destroy the world to his own purposes. Now, as we have minimal investment into these new characters in which we receive about one scene each to explain who they are and how they became what they became, and plus we have a version of Batman that we just assume an origin to, that leaves only two characters, Wonder Woman and Superman, to which we have had a solo film in order to get to know them somewhat. And only one of those characters is in this entire film. Superman does appear in the film's opening scene, but he's absent for most of the rest of the film. Now, the climax of Justice League is about as fun as watching a video game. 
They plug in these characters who have to overcome a variety of CG obstacles and digitized demon-like insectoid creatures called parademons that pop up mostly for these heroes to smash to bits. And despite a sky's the limit budget, this isn't really one of those movies in which you would watch and enjoy merely for the visual effects because there are too many moments that look and feel artificial for us to be truly swept away by the aesthetic beauty of the film's craftsmanship. This is not that kind of movie with we see so many big budget movies every year. It just becomes an also ran in that department if it's not going to do more than that. And to make matters worse, we undercut these big action scenes, especially at the end, by going back to how this all affects some nondescript Russian family we don't even know. We scarcely care about them. I guess Snyder and Whedon here are trying to put a human face on the world shattering events. But it ends up feeling like it's trying to play catch up for Snyder's prior films in which most of the non-superheroes on Earth, i.e. the regular humans, are an afterthought to the big bad battle sequences. Humans were just fodder <laughs> as buildings toppled and whatnot and ended up killing a lot of people that we didn't feel any sadness for. Now, despite its substantial flaws, Justice League is rarely unwatchable. Even if its plot is uninteresting, even if it's formula storytelling that's barely held together to even be considered much of a story, it still has a watchability to it. There's some choice humor here, the actors are appealing, there's enough momentum during certain scenes to avoid prolonged lulls that might take you out of the film altogether. You know, trying to cram in three significantly new characters, a major supervillain, a ramshackle backstory as to how all of this motley bunch has to come together, and to get all of that into a studio-mandated two hours in length, it does force forward momentum through every scene, but that also necessitates that narrative shortcuts abound. And that means that we are whisked from one character and a character to scene to scene without much of what we're seeing registering resonantly or emotionally much beyond whatever fan fervor we already have for these characters coming into it. And given that we're getting major franchise films every few weeks, and many of those already feature crossover characters and a lot of special effects, Justice League has to have something more compelling than just lavish special effects and an occasional chuckle to merit discussing as something more than just a watchable diversion. It just doesn't feel as much of an event these days. In an era of cinema in which we are already saturated by event films that are vying for our attention and our moving going dollars, as such, without very much buildup from the super team in two prior films, and without much investment into these new characters or the main plot as it stands, all we can cling to are these pretty actors who are playing dress up and punching things on occasion while bantering in between those punches. This is entertaining in spots, despite its inherent shabbiness, but somehow it still feels like slim pickings and a disappointment from a franchise full of much beloved characters who deserve far better than being brought together just because it's what other franchises are doing these days. Perhaps just a league might be a more appropriate title than Justice League. Two and a half stars out of four is what I'm going to give Justice League. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I consider it kind of an average, mediocre movie. I didn't really dislike it, but there just wasn't enough there for me to give it a recommendation. So it just missed. And given what I thought of Batman v Superman, I guess it's an improvement, but not by much. Two and a half stars out of four for Justice League. Anyway, thank you everyone. I know I'm a little bit late in catching up to this film. This was requested by a couple of listeners and readers of my site, so I had to get that out there. 
I'm going to be trying to get caught up with some of the Oscar nominees because the Oscar nominations are definitely out and I want to catch as many of those as I can before the big show. Click that subscribe button and you'll get to hear some of my reviews of those. And I also want to remind you that I do a weekly podcast about films of the 1980s that's called Around the World in 80s movies. I do encourage you to search for that and listen to it. I'm getting into the Back to the Future series next, so I know that there are a lot of fans out there that want a fuse of those. I guess you can I guess you don't necessarily need reviews, but I do try to throw in as much trivia and interesting historical information as I can without going too far. So I do encourage you to check that out. That's around the world in 80s movies. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening and enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.